Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we're back on the left coast of America, down south in San Diego now, with a long-term hasher who's hashed all over the world, quite famous for some big events on the west coast of California with the gypsies and others. Today on the podcast, meet none other than Rong John. Let's introduce you to everybody with your hashing origin when and where and how did you go to your very first hash okay so you want me to actually answer that question yeah okay it was back in 1985 i guess early 1985 so i was uh, working at an engineering consulting firm in the san diego area putting together uh, a, a file for a job i was working on and so this guy comes up behind me and he says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm putting together a, a file for the job that I'm working on. And he says, oh, you're an engineer here. I said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. He said, uh, I thought you were like one of the construction workers or something. I said, nah. <laughs> uh, and he says, well, you know what? You look like a hasher. And I said, well, yeah, I can't get any hash around here. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> we, we, we run and drink beer. And I said, well, I can do that. Yeah. So at the time I was, uh, well, I recently out of uh, university and running and drinking beer. I was doing triathlons at, at that time. So anyway, it took a while, but uh, eventually this guy, D-Duck is his hash name, and invited me to the La Jolla hash. I don't remember the exact date, but it, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in April. And we could probably find the date uh, looking through the old... Uh, hash trash yeah yeah so april 1985 and you know the la jolla hash was kind of an exclusive older teutonic gentleman uh, type of hash and uh, some people thought i didn't fit in well and for whatever reason so, and 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 then they, they had kind of a membership so in order it was, this was before the internet right uh, although there i think there was the internet but nobody was using it so to find out where the hash was you had to be on their mailing list, and I'm talking a snail mail list. Right. There wasn't a there wasn't a dial up uh, hotline, so I I kept trying to join up, you know, get my put in my dues and give them my self addressed stamped envelopes, so I could get on the get get the the news on where the next hash was. Right. And it, I couldn't get anybody. You know, I couldn't get the the mismanagement to to uh, cooperate with me. But there was one guy. Fuzzy Wuzzy Gordy that uh, I just call him up and he'd tell me where the hash was. So I just kept showing up, you know, like a bad penny that I just <laughs> wouldn't go away. But it was so much fun. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I drank a lot back then, you know, unlike t today, even though I'd still occasionally do. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. And and so they were telling me, oh, you should hash with San Diego. And I said, OK, yeah, I wouldn't hash San Diego. And then they're like, well, why are you still at La Jolla? Well, I can't hash twice a week. Well, I guess you can. So, right. <laughs> so that's kind of the the beginnings. Well, what was La Jolla like? Was it all men? No, no, it was men and women, but they were, I would say, older. In, in you know, majority of them were in their forties or or older, and I was still, I was like twenty seven, I think, something like twenty seven, twenty eight. 
back in those days. Yeah, yeah, it would have been 28. But no, it wasn't all men. And it, the La Jolla hash, it was started by a guy named Robbie Cook, who was had had hashed with uh, KL, ah. Mother Hash. And he worked at the Scripps Institute of Oceanography in La Jolla with this. I, I don't know if it's an adjunct to UCSD or not, but it's in that same general area, Torrey Pines and between Torrey Pines and La Jolla Shores. Yeah. So initially it was all just people from Scripps, Scripps uh-huh. Institute of Oceanography. Yeah. And then they started getting other people in. And, and so it just it kind of expanded. But it was men and women, but definitely the the older crowd. Whereas in uh, in in the San Diego hash, which back in those days was really raging, and you know with a hundred plus people at at the hash, that was in uh, you know that would be you know people in their twenties, and we'd go out dancing on a Friday night afterwards. You know, really having a good time. Cool. Yeah, people may recognize that name, Scripps. They're the famous sponsor of the World Championship Spelling Bee that's televised on ESPN. Some of us, you know, I recognize it, but it's kind of hard when you look back at the 90s. Jesus, that was 30 years ago? Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah, it was. It was 30 years ago. And, And, you know, even like, you know, we're coming up on 2022. Jesus, yeah. Uh, and I'm 65 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're very parallel. I started hashing in February 85 in Kuwait at, mm. about, at about age 27. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about San Diego hash there at the early mid 80s. What was it like? Was it crazy? Was it everybody was a runner? There's no walking yet. Yeah, I mean, in La Jolla, even in La Jolla, there most everybody was a runner because these guys, again, you know, they're in their forties, but you know, and, and and a little bit older, they they were they were runners. There were probably some walkers, and and now there are. But back in the eighties, uh, yeah, San Diego was a pretty serious running club, and even La Jolla was. We all ran pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I could do sub six minute miles at the time and it and with some distance. But we all drank or I can't I can't say everybody because I, I can't really speak for everybody. But it yeah. was it was a, a pretty serious drinking club. So San Diego, they hashed on a Monday or I mean, every Friday and, and then every other Sunday, uh, yeah. which was I thought was kind of weird. But. They, they were able to surpass La Jolla in number of trails because La Jolla is only, you know, hashing on a Monday night. Yeah. But, yeah, it got to be really, really big. And it, it, it was one of those things that I guess it was, uh, to some degree, a, a meat market. But, I, you know, I was just not I, – I don't know what, what was wrong with me, but you know, I wasn't uh, into that aspect of it so much. You know, they would feed everybody, so it became – it was a huge gathering. Well, I would, you're talking 100 people, so it was pretty yeah. big, and maybe 150 or, or even more. So they'd feed everybody, and then, you know, we'd go out dancing in Pacific Beach or someplace nearby. 
Yeah, it was it was it was pretty fun. Yeah, and well, and it became a big because it was a big booming hash. It became part of the larger scene with the hosting of America Interhash. Were you around for that? Yeah, 1989. Yeah, I was there. And, uh, you know, we were talking yesterday about the uh, when I went to Eurohash in 93. So in, in 89, I, I was living up in San Luis Obispo. I moved back up north and to work up there. And but I came down to the to the inner uh, America's hash. And I, I get, you know, I I met people who are, you know, lifelong friends now. Yeah. You know, hash was there. So a guy like Bam Bam from Vancouver. So I met these guys from Vancouver who I became real good friends with. Yeah, I don't even know who else I, I met there. But, you know, we were staying at the Omni Hotel and ran into a girl who worked at that hotel and told her, yeah, she said, oh, you guys destroyed our hotel. <laughs> uh, do you remember the, the police event there? Well, when, when we were uh, when they when there was nakedness on stage police event. Yeah. And okay, yeah I, I was part of that. <laughs> so what happened on that one at least this is my recollection because we had the down down competition i think bam bam won the down down competition and then this uh, lady iron lady that was her name yeah anyway she needed a volunteer for a skit and what she was doing was she was taking my clothes off and so what uh she says it whispers in my ear do you mind and i said oh no and the people in the crowd thought I was saying, no, don't do it. <laughs> and and uh, so she got me stripped down. And fortunately for everybody, I had a Speedo on. I think she ended up taking that off. And I think that that's what prompted the police. But I, I can't say for sure. So what was it like? I mean, there was a helicopter. Police came in a helicopter, right? Uh, I don't remember. Or what do you remember? So, But you didn't get arrested, but right? No, I did not get arrested. I got drunk. <laughs> so that was my mo you asked me about any place i've been back in those days yeah i was drunk that's about all i remember all right. uh, there's some, some bits and pieces of it that 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 I'll, i will remember and then the rest of it, it you know becomes part of uh, the legend that people tell stories that i've got no clue whether it's true or not yeah well the, the story that has come up from a couple people is the drunk trying to get on a plane and getting turned back at the airport do you remember that happening oh yeah 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 because i in my opinion i wasn't drunk now legally <laughs> legally i was probably over the limit but i was in my opinion relatively sober but then i'd probably been drunk for five days and i'd kind of mellowed down on that sunday so yeah i had a meeting the next day in in, in san francisco the next morning so I had to catch a flight and uh, one of the other hashers was turning a rental car. So we drove up to the uh, to the airport. She's going to let me off. And all I had was like a little rucksack. And so a guy comes up and asked me, you know, his official looking guy with a cap and a kind of a computer thing. And he says, uh, hey, what what flight are you? What's your name? What's your flight on? And I thought he was like a sky cap who's going to take my bag. And I'm telling him, look, you know, all I got is this rucksack I don't need. He says, no, we're not letting you on the plane. We're not even letting you in the airport. I'm like, oh, what, what, what are you talking about? I haven't even got out of the car. And he says, you're drunk. I said, drunk? I'm not drunk. How? Well, how? Like I said, I never got out of the car. What are you talking about? 
He said, look at your hair. And I looked in the mirror and I said, well, my hair always looks like that. He said, well, you're going to be in the islands for a long time, brother. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So anyway, the guy fucked off for a while. And so I got out of the car and I went inside and I tried to check in. And they said, well, you can't check in because, you know, this guy reported you as being drunk. And the captain of the airplane happened to be there. And I'm telling him, I say, look, I'm going to get on the plane. I'm going to fall asleep. No problem. No problem. And the guy said, I can't do anything for you. This guy, he turned you in. He must have a quota or something. I don't know. Ah. But, uh, so I had this Im important meeting that next morning. So I had to call my office and tell him, look, you know, uh, I got bumped off the plane. I didn't explain to the reality. <laughs> <laughs> this is Honolulu, uh, right? This was Honolulu. It was, I think it was Iguanalulu. It was the Iguana hash in Honolulu. Yeah. And, you know, Higgins was there. LCB was there. CIA. I think the wolf might even have been. I don't know mm -hmm. who was there. There was a lot of people. It was a pretty good turnout. So, but what the, what United did, the captain, they put me in business class the next day. Ah. which which was kind of nice but uh you know i get to work a day late and they were pissed off at me what happened after that so finally i just gave up and i went back and they had a pretty good transit system i got on a bus a city bus back into the city so this will tell you i couldn't have been that drunk if i'm able to get on a bus and find the hotel back in honolulu but i went back found the hotel went into the hotel room and just passed out on the floor and so these guys came in and then Higgins, I, I, I don't remember, uh, they, they came in and found me lying on the floor. And I don't know if that's the, uh, the story you got out of those guys, but I know that to, the story I just told you, that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think their, their impression was they got back and there's a body in the room right? and they're like, how did it get here? And they, yeah, they thought you were long gone. Yeah. That's a good story. But what? Well, so that's iguanas. Yeah. And what was the base? How did iguanas work, and how often did they do? Because they were a special event kind of traveling group. Right? Yeah, it was a traveling hash. So it was whenever, uh, wherever, I guess. But somebody would have to at you know, it's kind of a, a not exactly impromptu, but you know, I think the the way it was working towards the end, you know, you try to get. Or even in the beginning, you could get somebody to volunteer for the next to put the next hash together. So similar to some of these inner hashes, and there might even be a vote on it, I guess. But there wasn't always people volunteering. It wasn't a, a really big event. I mean, we actually did a lot of good stuff. Like we were down in we did the Honolulu thing, we did Cabo San Lucas. And, and some of these events, I think Smegma would just put them on. And then I think he started looking for, uh, you know, people to sponsor and, and host uh, a house. So I did one in San Francisco. And Napoleon, initially, he volunteered to do it. And then I guess it, it didn't work out what he wanted to do. And so he was going to cancel. I said, no, 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 I'll take care of it. I'll, so I, I I put something together that was a little bit uh, cheaper and more low key. But yeah, that, that was it. There were people on the mailing list, mostly the Southwest. But I think like the last one uh, I went to, I don't know, this might not even, and I get, you know, I get confused because there's been so many of these hashes. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there was a hash up at Hood River 
off the, the Columbia River. And I guess that would have been in Washington because uh, it was on the north side of the Columbia River. Right. Uh, but I don't remember if that was actually an iguana or if it was just something somebody put together up there. But I thought it kind of had the idea that it was an iguana. About how many times a year? I don't I don't know. It seemed like it was once or twice. It wasn't that yeah. often. Yeah, but it's one of the first traveling hashes where the same group of people got together wherever somebody put it up, right? Yeah, that's that's my recollection of it. Uh, now, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of along the lines, although a lot more flexible than, you know, Pan-Asia or Mekong yeah. in China. Yeah, not a regular schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, but I don't know how long those, those ones have been around. I've only started doing those recently. I mean, within the last 10 years or, or so. Yeah. Okay. So when you started, you loved it. You were running, drinking. Was the early days there for you? Were there hash songs? Was there circles there already started? Yeah. Yeah. So back in the early days, it seemed to me anyway, there was only this one song. Why mm-hmm. were you born so beautiful? Why were you born at all? Yeah. You're, you're no fucking used to anyone. Yeah. So that song. Yeah. And and then I started traveling around a bit and I found out there was these other songs. And, and so I don't know. What was the question again? The traditions. Oh, the traditions yeah. that you found in San Diego and La, yeah. La Jolla. And then as you started traveling, did you find any places that were way different or way better yeah. or didn't work so well? Well, uh, yeah. Okay. I got an example of that. You know, you, you start hashing, you get used to that's the way it's done. Exactly. Well, every place you go, it's different. Even yeah. in the same, same city or general locale, they're going to do it differently. Yeah. And one of the things that really pissed me off is people come and tell me at the gypsies in San Francisco, you're not doing it right. <laughs> like, you know, fuck off. This is you want to hash your way. You go someplace else. Yeah, it's that was another thing that is kind of, I, I think, a misrepresentation that the hash is open anyway. Well, up to a point, you yeah. know, we're not letting in, you know, serial murderers, I hope. But yeah. Yeah, some most places are different, and I really enjoy that that it's you know a little bit different, and it's usually just a kind of nuanced thing. It's not over the top. One of the things that really screwed me up was La Jolla was using marks for checks with that were a, just a circle, uh-huh. and and they might put arrows on the outside. Yeah, but other houses like San Diego or Actually, it was Orange County was using a uh, a circle was a back check and a circle oh. across a circle with an X in it was a check. And in La Jolla, a circle with an X in it was a back check. Uh. So I was out at this uh, the Betty Ford rehab run in Palm Springs. It was the first, not the first, I think it was the second uh, thing going to Orange County that I, that I did. And I got lost out in the desert because every time I'd come up to a check, I thought it was a back check, <laughs> you know, or a false trail. So then after a while, I just said, fuck it. I just started going through them all. And by the time I got back, they were picking up the beer. I was able to get one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, different marks is, has, has, you got to, you got to know what the marks mean. And one of the things I always recommend to people, 
stay with somebody else, if, especially if you're a woman. And, you know, don't go off on your own if, you, if you're unfamiliar with the whole process. Yeah, with a local hasher. Yeah, the story I was going to tell you. So I started going international and, and I was in for the first time, I think it was, had to have been around 2002 or three. I was in Kiev. So I flew down there from Moscow. Maybe it was a little bit later than that. But I had hooked up with some guys who were in the, there was a calf hash in Kiev. I found out where the hash was, uh, went out there. I don't remember how I got there. Probably caught a cab, flagged down a gypsy cab. So I got out there and we did this trail out in the, in, in the wilderness. And then we got back and we're having a circle and a guy popped the trunk on his car and pulled out beers. No ice. And it was like 90 degrees. It had to be 140 <laughs> In, in the trunk, I said, you know, and these guys are all laughing and having a great time. And I'm drinking this hot beer. And I, and I, I said, what, you guys don't use ice? No, no, what, what do we need ice for? I'm like, you, you guys are nuts. And, and I, you know, you get to places like that. I, I, that was pretty weird. I did another one with them quite a few years later where they all met up at a McDonald's and then walked over to somebody's house for barbecue and they didn't even set a trail. I said, Hey, aren't you going to set the trail? Nah, nah, that's okay. They'll find us. We know they know where we are. Okay. I was there earlier this year. Yeah. I remember. Oh yeah. Was that part of the, uh, the, the Prague trip? Ah. Now there are what we might call traditional hashers there who are, you know, expats. And the guy who I know there, Beer King, he won't go because he says that they don't respect our traditions. Because it, the Kiev guys were doing it their way. Yeah. And these people came in from uh, other countries and whatever they're doing there, I, I don't know what their business is. But they're doing a hash sort of like what you and I would think of as kind of a normal hash. And the Kiev guys were doing it their way. Yeah. And so there's a bit of... Uh, conflict there I, I you know it's not you know anything violent the places where expats come in and business people come in things happen i mean I, at one point damascus kind of had a couple little takeovers and then it, the circle was run in french a bunch of people came and it's fine to do it their way and that that turns off some people sometimes yeah there's little power struggles for yeah things like yeah. that too well when did you first say i want to be part of the show and either run the circle or be part of the show and not just that showing up run drink it's yeah normally i'm pretty introverted especially back in those days but if i start drinking i become part of the show yeah so it's just automatic it wasn't until i got into and i, and I always liked singing ah. it wasn't until i got into the the gypsies that that those guys they kind of recognize that i like to be the center of attention when i get drunk and so they were happy to let me run the circle yeah uh, because and again I, I so i did that you know off and on for close to 30 years so that was it that you know the gypsies i'm pretty sure they started in 1991 again i and then that was april 1st 1991 I typically won't volunteer to be the, you know, part of the show or center of attention, but sometimes you, you got to just step up yeah. you know, and, and do it. But it, it, it became, 
and after a while, actually, I got tired of it. I didn't want to do it that much. But people that know you and have seen it, then they want you, right? So people say, hey, you're here. Get up and do it. Yeah, some people do. <laughs> it's same like Higgins. Higgins is not an RA to run the whole show, but he makes his bit and has his props. And yeah, he's always. Yeah, there. well, he's a, he's a different animal altogether. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm usually, I'm just winging it. So there's people with their notes and, you know, clipboards and things. And, and I'm just out there running the show, whatever, you know, and I call people up and have, have fun. So that's, that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. So it's one of those things when you're, when you're part of the show, a lot of people will know and remember you and we all drink and can't remember everybody we bumped into yeah. over the decades. Were you going to all of the America interhashes after 1989? Did you usually go to those? Yeah, I think uh, I was going to those up until Pittsburgh. Uh, and last night I was, like I said, I was at La Jolla Ash, you know, have it. I just moved into this place I'm in right now uh, about a year ago. One of the things about moving is you find stuff you haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah. And so I, I pulled out this mug from the Waukesha in, in 1991. Right. I got a hat from 1993 in Calgary. And in 95, I'm pretty sure that was Orlando. Yep. Yeah, Orlando. So I, I was pretty much a gypsy back in those days. So. So I flew into Orlando. I didn't have a hotel reservation. I just slept in a chair out by the pool. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, because the weather was great. And yeah. I, I guess the mosquitoes weren't buzzing at the time. And a guy who, I don't remember if I, I must have met him before. He was uh, uh, from Stockholm, a guy named Adonis. He, he said, hey, you don't have a room? I said, no, I'm okay. Just, you know sleep out here, wake up in the morning, take a dip in the pool. He said, well, yeah, I got a spare bed. You could you could sleep in my room. So I did that. Yeah. And one of the greatest things about America is inner hash was always the Rumson hash presentation. Right. On, uh, they had the overhead projector with the you know slides and that, that was always a lot of fun. And then so that was 95, 97 was Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. And that's a, that was a great story. You know, flew into Barbados. Well, actually, I flew into Atlanta, then uh, San Juan. And then I got this puddle jumper down to Barbados. And I, you know, I walked from my from the airport and right across the street from the airport that the hash was at some place getting ready to start. I guess they I had sent them a letter or something. And so they were that they were there and you know, they did the hash and, and they set me up in a bed and breakfast place. And that that's kind of like the good old days. I don't know if they still do it like that, but went from, from Barbados to Tobago. Well, originally I was told I couldn't get a flight direct to Tobago. You had to go to Trinidad, stay yeah. overnight, back to Tobago. Uh, so I'd been <laughs> watching volleyball, uh, women's volleyball out on the beach, drinking uh, Cuba Libres or <laughs> rum and cokes. And some guy comes and says, sir, it's time for you to go catch your flight. I said, oh, fuck. I don't know if they're going to let me on the plane. You know, I don't I, I think this was before the Hawaii incident. Yeah. But so I get on the plane. It's no problem. And then we're sitting, stop someplace and ask the guy next to me, hey, where are we? And, and he says, we're in Tobago, man. I'm like, wow. Raise my hand. Hey, can I get out here? <laughs> And they said, oh, yeah, sure. So I jump out the plane and 
the guy, I asked the guy to get my bag out. He says, oh, just jump in and get it yourself. So I, <laughs> I can't get up in there. And so he shows me how. So I jump in, grab my bag, throw it out, walk across the tarmac. I think it was supposed to be a mail stop or, or something because the customs guy, the passport control guy was not happy to see me. But again, that from that airport, I walked to my hotel. Yeah. And, uh, so I was there meeting uh, a bunch of girls, from, mostly from Oslo, I think, from Oslo hash. And I was dating a girl from Oslo back back in those days. So, uh, it, yeah, it was just yeah, incredible. Uh, all, all this stuff. And then in, in Trinidad, the hash hotel was the Hilton like like this time. Yeah. But down down the hill, and that was like 100 bucks a night or so. So out of my budget, down the hill, there was a place called the Pelican Inn. And I got a room there for 25 bucks a night and it was party central. Everybody came down from the Hilton to the Pelican Inn, but apparently the place burned down. Yeah, not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. That, that's great stories, especially all the airport stuff that's never going to happen after 9-11, anything like that. Oh, ever. oh, yeah. Yeah. Gee, you don't even. Yeah. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's, it's so different now. Although I've got you know, every advantage I can get on getting through an airport in in the United States, as far as, uh, you know, pre-TSA, global yeah. entry. I had clear in San, Diego, in San Francisco. I don't know if you know what that yeah. is. But, yeah. uh, it lets you skip the lines, but it doesn't mean uh, you still can't go around on the tarmac by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're not allowing that. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, Sydney Olympics 2000, I managed to convince the Egyptian Charged Affairs to give me a journalist pass because I was writing for a computer magazine back in Cairo, and I just talked them into it. I was like, "None." And the people at the Olympic Center said, "You were supposed to get this approved a year ago." We stopped giving them. I'm like, "Yeah, somebody just wrote okay on a piece of paper, and they gave me a journalist pass." That's like that. None of this stuff can happen ever again. Yeah. Yeah, they used to be able to sneak around a little bit and not by being sneaky, but just by being, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the term, hiding in plain sight. Yeah, 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 just confident. And, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. act like you belong there. Yeah, I've got some stories about that kind of stuff. That's part one of our chat with Long John. We'll get back to hear more of his stories about more of his travel and hashers that he's met through the years. This is the online podcast. Hasher voices, hasher stories, hasher history. New episodes every week. Until next time, on on, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child, coming Oh